Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Hello, I'm Whitney Sewell, host of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Today, our guest is Andrew Campbell. He is a native Austinite and real estate entrepreneur who broke into real estate investing first as a passive investor in 2009. In 2012, he transitioned into active investing and management of a personal portfolio that grew to 76 units across Austin and San Antonio. He earned his straps building and managing his personal portfolio before moving into larger multifamily buildings. At Wildhorn, he is focused on acquisitions and managing investor relations, leveraging his marketing background to build long-term relationships. Today, they control a $97 million portfolio of over 1,035 units. Thanks for being on the show, Andrew. Hey, Whitney. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, the conversation. Well, Andrew, I mean, it's an impressive um, background or, you know, into real estate and jumping to so many doors so fast. Tell us a little bit about why real estate and how you got into real estate. Sure. Uh, well, you know, you kind of read it off there. We, we've been kind of in real estate for about 10 years and, and really got into real estate. Uh, I was grew up in Austin, as you mentioned. I uh, was living out of state and, and I got a phone call one day that my dad uh, had had a massive stroke. And so, you know, flew home, flew home. Um, and basically never left, you know, ended up staying home, taking, taking care of him some, uh, ended up having to quit my job and, and sort of had a lot of downtime. You know, I think I was 27 at the time, kind of, you know, pivotal moment in life reflecting on, you know, what I want to do, but, and mostly realized like, okay, I just had to quit my job. I got no income coming in. I need to figure out a way to have some passive income to, you know, maintain kind of a, a, li- a life, be able to, to, to continue to, move forward and, and, and handle anything in life through at us. Um, so kind of through that experience really decided to look into to real estate investing, you know, as a, as a sort of way to generate passive income. Um, and then obviously here, you know, 10 years, 12 years later, whatever it is, uh, now it, it's very much not passive. Uh, it's very active for me, but it's something that, that we just kind of fell in love with and have, uh, you know, been, it's been a fun ride. Tell me why why real estate syndication, why multifamily syndication, as opposed to say the uh, you know keeping the process and the going that you had with you know you had seventy six units. Most people um, never never get that many units, uh, but then you you changed that and you went to multifamily syndication. Why why the change? I think two two big reasons. Uh, number one, just efficiencies and scale. You know, I, I think we were managing that that portfolio by ourselves. Uh, number one, because we were cheap, you know, and I want to pay somebody else to do it. And number two, to kind of learn the business. Uh, and you just, it, it, it's a pain. You know, you get fielding a lot of phone calls, dealing with a lot of, um, you know, just the, 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 the day-to-day. Uh, the uh, efficiencies that happen with bigger properties, right? And, and having somebody else manage them. Um, so I think that was something really, you know, kind of turned me on to that. The fact you kind of go more of an asset management role and, and manage the manager, you know, and not get the phone calls about the, you know, the, the, the toilets and the, you know, issues, whatever, tenant confrontations didn't matter. Um, so that was a big part of it. I think the second part, just on the financing piece of it, you know, just, just realizing like I was super passionate about this and I was still working a corporate job and, and a lot of my friends were like, I can't, you know, are you still getting paid? You still work? Like all you talk about is real estate. Uh, and wanting to sort of share that with what, you know, with my friends and family, kind of the, 
the wealth accumulation, the passive income, kind of what I was seeing happen to our you know, financial statement and bank accounts every month. Like this is, this, this is awesome. And it works. Uh, it works if you, you know, bring other people into the deal as well. So it was kind of a combination of the two that led me into the, to the path of, you know, start raising outside money and, and looking at the bigger deals. Were you still at your corporate job when you went into multifamily or were you, were the, uh, smaller properties, 76 units supporting you at that time? Um, so I was, it all kind of happened, you know, strategically and, and, uh, planned. We, we, when we had the 75 prop units, uh, I was still working a full-time job at a corporate job. Um, when I decided, Hey, I want to go, go, you know, do the, do the syndication thing, bring other people in. It was sort of a, a called a year's process probably of, you know, really looking at what our timeline was with my wife. Like when, when do we feel comfortable doing it? Um, you know, knowing that once I, once I do that, it's obviously a huge responsibility, right? You're, you're taking other people's money for the first time and you need to give that the proper sort of respect and, and time that, 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 you know, requires. So, uh, we quit my, quit our job. I quit my job, um, as we got into to the multifamily stuff. And then in that first year, we ended up selling all of our, our personal portfolio, um, just, cause we didn't have the time to focus on it. And we had, you know, we're putting into these deals. And so it, it was all sort of a, called an 18 month process. Um, but it was very sort of thought out and, and planned as far as the steps in order we would do things. So you sold all the smaller units that you had. Correct. Yeah. Uh, three months ago, I think we sold the last, the last of them. Wow. So in the syndication business, I mean, obviously there's, there's so many moving parts, right? Um, what, as far as somebody starting out right now, I know, you know, you were in those shoes not too long ago, but let's just, just give some advice to that. The individual that's maybe got a few single families or a few smaller multifamilies and they're looking to get into the multifamily syndication. What's a, how are you going to guide them? Uh, I, I think number one, like figure out what it is you're, you enjoy doing, you know, why, why are you getting into the business? Number one. So, you know, back to your big why, uh, but also, what are the pieces that you like, you know? So if, if you've got a, a portfolio of 10 single families, you know, what are the things you enjoy about it? What are the things you hate and start looking for partners, start looking for, you know, how you can day to day be involved in the pieces that you like and that you're good at uh, and how you can find somebody that, that can fill those gaps for you. Uh, Cause I, I think the th- first thing I learned and, and certainly, you know, I think you, you, you know, as well as like, it's a team sport, you know, you don't go manage a, a 200 unit property or a portfolio of a thousand units by yourself. Um, so what are the things you enjoy doing and build around that? Cool. Can you, can you tell us about a current project you're working on and maybe we get into the weeds a little bit on that? Sure. Um, you know, maybe the, the most recent one we, we closed in April. We've got a, a, we've got a couple of deals under contract right now, but we put the deal we closed in April. Um, our portfolio to date's in San Antonio. You know, we, we like that market a lot. So we'll, you know, talk in the context of San Antonio is a 253 unit, um, 1980 build, you know, our business plan, a very good location, kind of class B asset, you know, probably class A minus B plus location. Uh, so come in and, and renovate the exterior, rebrand it, update the leasing center, add some amenities, uh, and then, you know, update the interior units. And we are probably 50% through the exterior renovations right now, uh, as we record this in, in, in late August. Um, you know, and so that, that's going really well. We've got the first, you know, 20, 25 units, uh, turned on the interiors and those are all leasing out at, you know, our, our projected pro forma rents and in some cases ahead of that. So it's, it's, it's going well. How did you find this deal? 
Uh, this was a deal that we found that the, the deal we closed last year, uh, came from the same seller. So we had a really good relationship with, with them. Um, you know, was it made sure it was a smooth process, smooth transaction. So, uh, when this deal came up, we had a, a good relationship with them and, and, and the broker that was involved. So it was, uh, you know, give, give everybody the warm fuzzies all the way around. What about, uh, you know, the first, maybe the first large syndication deal that, that you did compared to this deal, how did you find it? Uh, broker relationships. I mean, I, I think all, all the deals we've done, you know, I'm very focused on broker relationships and, you know, kind of leveraging the, the, the networks that they've got, you know, I think as, particularly if you're thinking about getting into this business, you know, you got folks that have been out here grinding for 20 years and they know, you know, that they've seen a, a one single asset change hands three, four times. I've sold it, you know, multiple times. They know who the buyers are. They know who the sellers are. Um, I'm not going to go, beat that network, you know, and also think in the commercial space, you've got in a town like San Antonio, there's, you know, there's four or five big groups, um, that you can maintain relationships with. So within those groups, that's called 15, you know, probably less than that people. Um, I can, I can maintain and manage 15 quality relationships and touch base with them and grab lunch with them and golf with them and, and that sort of thing. So we've been very intentional about that. Uh, I know, I know people that have, close big deals based on, you know, direct mail to the owners. Uh, but our strategy has been make sure we're, you know, present ourselves in, in a professional manner and that we follow up with people. We do what we say we're going to do, but it's very focused on the broker networks in our target cities. Could you give us some tips on portraying just that professional image and the follow-up system, you know, maybe that you have? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's for us, you know, being honest, being transparent, you know, so you're starting out, don't come, you know, puff your chest. Like you're some guy that's got done a bunch of deals. I always tell people like, what's your, what's your story? You know, I've got a marketing background and I'm all, you know, what is, how do you market yourself? Like that's this it, relationships is everything in this business. So when we were starting out, it was, you know, we had a pretty good story at the time. We've got 75 units, you know, kind of built that up and now we're looking to do larger deals. Um, this is what we're looking for, you know, kind of present your criteria, but just being sort of my fits your personality, my personality, I'm, I'm pretty laid back, you know, I'm pretty, pretty easy going, um, just sit down and, you know, grab lunch with them, introduce ourselves. Here's what we want to do. And then make sure that we do everything, you know, in a professional manner, in a timely manner, even down to the way that we craft our LOIs and the language we put in our offer letters. And, you know, if somebody shoots me a text message, get back to them. You know, you say you're going to follow up by the end of the week, follow up by the end of the week. I think they, you know, they get a lot of folks that kind of come in Johnny come lately and, and have a lunch with them and never hear from them again. So uh, know that, that it's a, and we knew this getting into it, it. It's something that takes time, right? All relationships take time to build quality relationships. So before we were ready to knew we would, we, before we were going to be ready to buy, we were already building those relationships. And we told them that, so, Hey, my, my goal right now is to get to know you, let you get to know us. I want to see some deals. We're probably not in a, in a position to buy right now, but I also know you're not going to award me the first deal I put an offer in. Like I've, you've got to see me show up. You got to, you know, we can have some conversations. I can tell you what we like about deals, what we don't like. Um, so it takes, months to kind of do that and be consistently, you know, putting in some offers, at least showing up to tour deals. That's the best way to get in front of these guys is tour a deal. I mean, we've toured a lot of deals. We had no interest in buying, but it was a chance to, to, to show up, get in front of them face to face and then provide feedback. Hey, this is uh, this is what we liked about this one. This is what didn't, or, you know, let me know how this kind of where this ends up trading, you know, as we're kind of building our market knowledge. So it's, 
um, it, it's not hard. It's just being consistent and being, you know, on top of your communications with, with that small group of, of key influencers. I've never heard anyone say that before about talking to a broker and, and just being that up front saying, I'm not ready to do a deal right now, but I want to build this relationship. And I think that's really interesting. And that, that says a lot about your character and getting into the business. And do you feel they responded well to that? Yeah. I, you know, I didn't get any pushback and I think, you know, in some ways they, they, they um, responded really well to it, you know, kind of go out of their way a little bit to help you know educate you, fill in some gaps if you've got it. Uh, you know, I think one of the things we did certainly at the beginning, you know, again, pretty strategically is we'd pick out the young guys at the office, you know, that, that were, I'm not calling the vice chairman or whatever the, you know, the title is. It's, I want the, the, the young hungry guy. So look, man, I'm in my thirties, you're in your thirties, twenties, whatever, like I'm being this business for a long time. Um, you know, let's, it, it's worth it on their, on their part to put some investment of time in there and say, this is going to be a, a 20 year relationship, you know, mutually beneficial, um, so I think that, I think that's helped as well. And then as time's gone on now, you know, we've got, we've got good relationships kind of all the way through the, through the offices and the, you know, the guys that run the office know who we are and, and, you know, we, we talk to them as well, but I think that's, uh, you know, it has been helpful for us too. Nice. Let's, let's talk about how you raise capital for the first deal. Yeah. Uh, grinding. You know, you, you just, I think talking to people, you know, again, lot, lot, very similarly to how we were talking to brokers and saying, look, we're, we're, we're not ready to do a deal yet. I mean, that whole time you're out meeting with new people, you know, you're talking to, you're going through your, your whole LinkedIn feed and your, your Rolodex on your phone and, and writing down a list and, you know, reaching out to people, tell them what you're up to, tell them, you know, why you're interested, why you're passionate about this business. And again, kind of going through our story. Well, you may or may not know this. I've been you know, last seven, eight years been building up this portfolio. We're going to go do bigger deals. Are you interested? Would you be interested? Here's a, here's a hypothetical deal. It's just, you know, I, I had a, a goal and, and I still do uh, of, of five new meetings a week. You know, so I want to be, I mean, th- this whole business is predicated on being able to raise capital. Um, so I want to raise, I want to meet five new people a week, you know, whether that's on the phone or face to face. And, and, you know, I think if you can do that and, some, some of those folks will turn into investors. Some of those will be referrals. Oh, you should talk to my, my uncle or, you know, I've got a buddy or whatever it is. Uh, you just, you gotta be consistent with it. Meeting five, new, time. five new people a week. Can you give us some tips on making that happen? I know you talked about going through your Rolodex, but let's say we've, we've kind of been through that. We've exhausted that. How are you still able to reach out to and try to meet five people a week? Are these new connections? The, that's the goal, you know, and, and so we've got, you know, new, new connections or reconnecting with somebody that's been a while, um, you know, but, but I mean, and at, at this point I, I probably, you know, exceed that most weeks uh, just based on referrals and, and, you know, sort of volume, but, you know, doing marketing stuff, coming on podcasts, it's, it's a great way. I mean, I enjoy giving back, but, you know, you always get a handful of people that want to reach out and awesome, you know, love to help you figure out how, if, if there's an opportunity to, to do business or to, you know, you never know where those are going to go. Um, we do, you know, article writing and, and, you know, posting in forums and, um, just, you know, just being out there. I think the more you're sort of out there talking about it and meeting with people that you just, you know, you organically see that network, uh, expand. Give me some tips, I guess, on that conversation. Let's say, you know, I haven't talked to many investors yet. I'm still kind of just trying to fill that out. How do I, promote my, my business to someone who, um, you know, who's ready to invest maybe, but 
but they're they're concerned about no track record. So I think a lot of that comes back to that relationship piece. You know, yeah. you're, you're, as you get started, uh, the folks that are more than likely going to invest with you know you personally, right? So they know who you are. They know your character, your integrity. Uh, they know the story that you've sort of crafted and, and hopefully you've got some sort of real estate story. You know, I know you and I are, we're chatting. I mean, you've got a 10 unit, right? Well, that's more than 95% of all real estate investors or, or more than, you know, more most people. So you leverage that story and then, you know, they know who you are. And then that kind of, that track record builds on itself. I mean, the fact that we started off with a 75 unit, you know, portfolio and we could kind of point to what we've been doing. That, that's, I think that, that eased things and that helped. Um, but it's, it's going to be, you know, spheres of influence, right. Are going to get wider and wider. It's going to start pretty narrow. So it's going to be people that, that know you. And, um, you know, I think that's why you see so many businesses and so many folks kind of, it starts, you know, small, you go, you go get a couple partners and you buy, you know, 20 unit, 30 unit, 40 unit. And, you know, it just, it kind of, you, you scale up, uh, from that point. Sure. How, how are you managing all the relationships? Do you have a specific CRM you recommend or something like that? Um, so we are in the middle of kind of transitioning to a new CRM. We're using HubSpot. Um, and that's, that's going pretty well. Um, you know, previous to that, I was using an Excel sheet, you know, so we would, we would do communications with MailChimp. Um, but I just had a, an Excel sheet and, you know, we're trying to manually track it. Um, but we're using HubSpot and then we, we've also just start our launching or have just launched a, an investor portal, nice. um, so on our website. That's, you know, I think gotten really positive feedback on, on, the, the ease of use, you know, and the fact that you can go get all your documents and statements and things as an investor. Uh, but that's also a nice way to sort of keep track of, you know, just the, on the analytics side, who's logging in and checking stuff out and, and, you know, getting their documents. So it's, it's all, it's all coming together. So purchasing, you know, this many, I, I just over a thousand units now in just a few years time, what's some key, key lessons you've learned in just, just a, such a short amount of time purchasing so many units, maybe mistakes you made on the first couple of properties that now, you know, like, okay, I'm definitely doing this on the next one. Uh, you know, I think there's always little, little tweaks you probably go back and look at, um, you know, underwriting wise. So, you know, it's, Hey, here's a, here's a good example is, you know, you're, you're looking for other opportunities for other income. You know, and so you want to drive for us, the things we're looking at are, you know, selling washers and dryers, reserved parking, covered parking, pet yards. Uh, when do those things kick in, you know, and, and do, you, do you, I think the more, the bigger your portfolio grows, the more, you know, you know, all right, well, some of those are going to start day one and some of those are going to start, you know, it's going to take you a year to ramp up and get, you know, if your goal is to sell 30 washers and dryers, for example, uh, that may take us 12 months you know, but we're going to get a bunch of people jump all over this reserved parking right away because it's a good deal and people want to park right outside their unit. Um, so, you know, little things like that have, have, you know, kind of continually evolve. Um, and, you know, and then you see, you know, payroll tracking and some efficiencies coming in as you, as you get, you know, build out the portfolio and have, uh, you know, can share payroll across some deals. Um, so, so I think mostly in, in that area, I mean, luckily, knock on wood, we haven't had any like major mistakes or big, you know, holes we're digging out of. Um, so I think that's probably helped us grow, grow the platform because, because things are performing and distributions are coming out on time and everything's you know going, going well. Uh, but 
you know, luckily, ho- hopefully that continues. Would you would you contribute that to your team or partners or your education? You know, that, how you've educated yourself before getting into large syndication deals? Uh, what would you contribute that to? I think it's probably a little bit of everything. And then there's, there's obviously some luck, you know, I, I think, you know, nobody's, we're certainly not perfect and, and learning things, you know, continually every day, uh, which one of the things I love about the business. So it's very deliberate picking your right, uh, property management, you know, team and making sure that they've got a good track record and that you've done your due diligence on who they are. I think that's been, been a key, um, you know, we've had one property where we inherited a really awesome team, you know, and, and kind of went through the interview process and they all stayed and, and they, you know, obviously passed background checks, et cetera. But like that, that's another, that's another learning, right? If like, if you're able to keep the onsite team and they're good, uh, keep them, they've, they've got so much knowledge, the residents know them. Um, so I think it's just been vetting out your property managers and, and then, you know, your onsite folks. Uh, Andrew, what's the top reason real estate syndicators fail? Um, I, th- I think, you know, overpaying. I mean, making unrealistic expectations and, and setting yourself up for, for failure. If you, if you go set unrealistic expectations uh, with your equity partners and your investors, and then you're having to overpay for deals to, to, to get deals, um, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, it, at some point that's going to catch up to you. What does that conversation look like? Uh, how do we not set that, uh, I guess, too high of a standard or, you know, whatever to an exe- uh, to an investor, potential investor? How do we word that? How do we talk about that? Well, I think it starts with your underwriting, you know, and, and knowing like, am I truly being conservative and are these numbers I know I can hit, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I always tell people like in some ways, if you're just starting this business today, you've got an advantage over, you know, me or somebody else that's been in this business for a few years or, or a decade. You know, like if this, this, this cycle has been unbelievable, if you've been out, you know, raising money and, and putting investors in deals that are, you know, 18% IRRs, those deals don't exist today. Right. But now your investors are experienced and expecting, oh, I want to see an 18, you know, or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I want to see a 10% cash on cash return from you or I'm not, that's, that's what you brought me before. I don't, I'm not seeing those deals right now, you know? So, so as those come down, I, I think it's okay. If that's what's happening, you need to have that conversation with your investors. Look at an 18 doesn't exist. The deal we're, we're currently doing is just shy of a 16. Um, you know, we feel like that's a very solid, awesome return. Um, and we're also, you know, look, you, you know, us and our track record and we do, you know, look at things pretty conservatively. So we feel good. We can hit that, but you know, don't, don't continue to try and say it's an 18 and stretch your model and make some assumptions just to on paper, making an 18 when, you know, a year from now you're going to be treading water or, or, or drowning and, you know, have some really awkward, uncomfortable conversations. And before we go, tell us um, some ways. I know, I know you recently put in the portal so uh, you can communicate yeah. with investors uh, easier. But what are some other ways, say, somebody that's just starting can improve their business? Uh, so, you know, again, I'd go point back to like, what's the focus of your business? You know, and, and you know, for us, that you, you got to have deals and you got to have, have equity. So, you know, maintain your relationships. Um, figure out what's the right cadence for how do you want to get be in touch with people? You know, you've got a daily podcast, like, I haven't started, I don't have a podcast. Like that's, that's a decision you've made in your business. I've made in mine, uh, figure out what's going to work for you and then be consistent with it. You know, so we do, uh, we write a couple articles a month. We send out a monthly email. Uh, we also send monthly you know, investor communications on deals. 
that's what's worked for us. And I think the most important thing is that we do that every single month. Um, so once you start something, stick with it, you know, don't come out of the shoot and, and say you're going to do something and then not do it. Great, great advice. And thank you, Andrew. And uh, tell the guests how they can get in touch with you or learn more about your company. Sure. Um, no, it's, this has been awesome. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, our, you know, our company name is Wildhorn Capital. We've got a website that's www.wildhorncap.com. Uh, my email is just andrew at wildhorncap.com. Um, we've got a Facebook page and kind of all the usual suspects. But uh, yeah, I would love to talk to any of your listeners and, and enjoy, you know, truly enjoy helping people and talking to people, you know, if they're interested in getting into the business. And hopefully uh, a lot of people will reach out. Great. Thank you so much, Andrew. And I, I hope everyone enjoyed the show and we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.